Welcome to Sketch Therapist. It's the podcast that improves your sketch life. And today I'm going to try to improve your sketch life in one of the most beautiful ways of all. Watercolour is a wonderful way to capture light. And today I'm going to share with you a few ways to do that. Well, it's a beautiful day here in Galway. It's just one of those glorious May May days that you get in the west of Ireland. The sky is a beautiful shade of pale blue with lots of white fluffy clouds. And the, the fields and the hedges, they're just such an intense shade of green. The hedgerows are absolutely bursting with wildflowers. You've got like white ones, don't know what they are. Um, they're the ones that look like kind of cow parsley-ish, I think, you know, the ones. And they're just so pretty. They just pop up in the in the sides of the road when you're driving along on the along the country roads. Um, and there's just, it's just like a, a beautiful paradise. It's it's absolutely beautiful. And there's loads of nettles and they're still at the young, fresh stage or pretty young anyway. Um, and I've missed most of the month of May walking on the road due to one thing and another. But my son Paddy and I have um, decided to reclaim our fitness regime. So I went out on the road this morning. He went out on the road doing his run. I wasn't really running. He uh, encountered a cow emerging all of a sudden from a hedge. Figured it would just be one cow that he'd let past. And next thing was a wall of cattle who were crossing the road. And uh, that kind of put a slight uh, halt to his gallop, so to speak. But it was fab outside and we're both thrilled to have actually broken the back of it and got outside. So I hope you're getting outside and enjoying the lovely weather. And I, for my first little part of this, um, this little, this little episode on light and how it appears on statues, I'm going to tell you about my most recent, my most recent drawing of a statue, which was only a few days ago in the magnificent grounds of Kilruddery House, which is in Bray in County Wicklow. And my goodness, can't believe I've lived <clears throat> not in Bray, but on the outskirts of Bray for a very large stretch of my life. I've never visited Kilrodery House. It's the it's the grounds where a lot of well-known movies have been shot. Can't tell you what they are, but you know, they're there to be found out. And it's not surprising because it's magnificent. It's a it's 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 got a real downtown abbey kind of a vibe. So it's really, really gorgeous. Now, to talk to you a little bit about the statues that I do there. So I have a I have a workshop coming up and it's a corporate gig. So I wanted to do a little recce and the it was suggested to me that I would do my recce online, but there is just no comparison between what you see online when you're looking up Kilrodery House and what you see in the flesh. It's stunning. And they even have now this has nothing to do with statues or light or anything, but they even have this little um children's play area and around the perimeter you have these little tiny mini little orchards surrounded by kind of I think it's called wattle fencing. You know those that vertical kind of um a very natural looking fencing. And it, underneath the orchards, apple trees in each of these little fenced off sections, you've got a some chickens. So you've got a, like a, a rooster with all his ladies. But the wonderful thing is that um, in each of these little patches, each of the roosters, each of the chicken species is a different colour. So you, you've got one orchard with little white chickens and a white rooster, one with brown chickens and a brown rooster, and one with kind of like, I don't know, speckledy black and white chickens with a speckledy black and white rooster. And it's just fantastic. It's just so, I don't know, bucolic. It's wonderful. Anyway, I found the statues that I wanted to do for the workshop. I don't have very long for the workshop, for each workshop. It's only an hour and 15 minutes for each of them. So that's not very long as anybody who is familiar with sketching will know that the time just goes so fast. And luckily it was extremely sunny when I was doing the particular statues because that made my kind of, um, the point of 
the light thing that I want to talk about much easier because the stronger the, the sunlight, the more obvious the shadows. Um, and one really good way to capture light on a statue is, especially in strong sunlight, is, and remember, you're never drawing light, you're drawing shadow. That's how you draw light, you draw shadow. So you take your pen or your pencil or whatever you happen to be using. You can also, and I was going to say you draw the outline of the shadow running down the statue. And you can also do it without drawing the line, but it can be helpful to put the line of the statue in because of the, sorry, of the shadow down the length of the statue. Because should a cloud happen to um, cover the sun, well, you know, you have it, you have a record of where the, of where the line um, is, the line of shadow. And then when you have your line running down the contours of the body, and it won't be a straight line, it's going to be a very contouring, meandering line as it rises and falls over nose, over chin, neck, down the sternum, over the boobs, if there are any, down the tummy, and then over the drapes of whatever the statue is draped in. Um, so you've got that very, and now I use a very uh, skinny nib for that because I don't want the line to be particularly um, particularly prominent. So I just use the reverse of my foodie nib, which, as you know, is a very kind of a skinny little 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 nib. And I'm using my um, Diatramentus brown um, ink, which is document ink, which is waterproof. It's fab. Okay, so uh, where am I? All right, so once you've got your line running down the statue, you need to use a bit of paint and what you're going to do to get the shadow and what you're going to do is you're going to load up your colour. Um, you can use whatever colour your eyes tell you to use, whatever that might be. It might be paints grey, might be burnt umber, might be burnt sienna, it might be whatever. But as long as it's nice and concentrated, nice and deep. Um, in my case, the when I was sketching this particular statue um, a few days ago, it was made of a kind of a dark bronzy kind of a material. So it was a dull, dark brown, but as I say, really strongly lit up on the right where the sun was hitting it. So I mixed up a deep, deep burnt umber with a touch of burnt sienna in it. And I let that, I, I put a stripe of that just down on the um, shadow side of the line that I've drawn running down the statue. And then I allow other colours, I drop in other colours for the rest of the shadow, but in different colours, you know, to, and I do it very wet on wet and I let them meld and blend and flow into each other Um I used a bit of uh, green appetite genuine. I used a little bit of Payne's grey. So there's quite a lot of different colours on the shadow side of the statue, which makes for a very interesting shadow. It's not sort of mono monotone. It makes for a very nice shadow. Important thing is that you do it when the paint is pure, fresh and completely wet so that you don't get any brush strokes or uneven patches or cauliflowers, anything like that. Um, and then you let it dry and you mustn't interfere with it while it's trying to dry. And when it is dry, what you'll find is that the darkest part of the colour is just to the shadow side of this line that you've drawn down to 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 outline the shadow, the shape of the shadow on your statue. So um, so there you go. That's that's how to draw the how to capture light on a statue in very strong sunlight. If you should be so inclined, you might draw in a very, very dark background and that will make your lights shine out even further. So that was my experience um, a few days ago in Kilrudry House. Really glorious um, day for sketching. And I hope that the conditions are the same when I go back there in a few weeks. So don't go away and hang on for the next little segment on statues. So there are a few workshops that stand out in my mind as being particularly wonderful. I'm not always really, really lucky with the weather, but I tend to be fairly lucky with the weather, which is great because as a sketching teacher, 
the one thing that's going to scupper your plants is bad weather. Well, you always have an indoor location organised. And maybe I just don't remember the rain because I'm never outside in the rain in a sketching workshop because it doesn't work when your ink just washes off your page. But I remember this absolutely gorgeous sunny day. It was on a, a workshop that I ran in Kent back in, I think it was in 2018. And it was Kent in southern England, southeast England. And one of the beautiful locations that we stopped was Sissinghurst Gardens. And it was run by a lady called Vita Sackville West and her husband, Harold Nicholson. Um, and I don't know what kind of relationship they had. Who knows what kind of relationship any couple has. But um, it was definitely, what's the word, um, unconventional, to say the least. But they shared an absolute passion for the garden, the gardens of, of um, Sissinghurst. Um, and I think Harold was the plants man. I think he knew all about the plants and Vita's strong area was design. And one of the little nooks and crannies and little alleyways, glorious. It's Everything's glorious there. You can't turn around for, um, you know, not seeing some other absolutely stunning vista down a, down a lime alley or down some kind of a rose path or I don't know. Anyway, one of these such paths led to a very lovely marble statue. And it was the perfect place to demonstrate light on a statue. It was white marble, pure white marble. So when you gave, when you left unpainted the side of the statue in strong sunlight, you weren't trying to obfuscate the true colour in any way. It was just exactly what the colour was. And it was placed carefully, tastefully and wisely against a very dense hedge, which meant that the statue glowed. It just glowed against the dark foliage um, that it was up against. Um, and I used, I think I used indigo or maybe it was a different brand of Payne's Grey that I use at the moment. It might have been Payne's Grey, but uh, for the shadows. But if it was, it was a more bluey Payne's Grey than the one I use at the moment. So you're looking for a very dark navy um, with a little hint of, I suppose, greyishness in it. Um, and you, you'll you mix it up to a dilution that's, I suppose, medium, we'll say. And anywhere that you can see um, shadow, you just pop on your little slick of Payne's Grey or your indigo, whatever you prefer. And of course, you can draw out the sh the outline of the shadow, as I described in the last little segment, or you can just pop it on with your brush. And then, as I said earlier, you make it a little bit darker right next to where it transitions to white. But in a, on a strong, strongly lit, sunlit day, that transition is from very, it's very sharp from strong sunlight to shadow. Um, and that is the, that is the shadow, that is the, sorry, that is the statue that I have used to illustrate today's podcast illustration. So I hope you can see for yourself how it worked out. Yeah, it was just a fabulous um afternoon. The students went round in a in a in a in a happy days of uh, well, I hope they did anyway. Not sure about that. I suppose I'd have to ask them. Dazed students, dazed students everywhere you look. Uh. <laughs> but uh no, that was that was a really nice example of um a statue in strong sunlight. And it's a great way to capture light. All right, so on to the next one. So we're going to leave the shores of the United Kingdom and we're going to go back to Ireland and we will find ourselves in front of the O'Connell Monument on O'Connell Street. Now this is a rather lovely monument. It's a statue of Daniel O'Connell 
Um, and he's sort of tall and, you know, manly and magnificent. And then around his around his pedestal at the bottom are four angels. And they're fabulous. I don't know what metal they're made out of, but they're made out of some sort of a dark grey metal. Gun metal? I don't know. Whatever. And what they do have is little... There's a few bullet holes from the revolution um, in some of the statues, which, of course, my eldest daughter thought was terrific. In fact, I think everybody thinks it's terrific. But anyway... What can you do? But the the angels are fab and they've got these massive, glorious wings and um, they're all doing different things. One of them's got a book on her lap. And this, by the way, is on page 50 and 51, pages 50 and 51 of my book, Dublin in Sketches and Stories. And I'm looking at this and I can see that it was it was a sunny day because there's good, strong shadows. Um, And what I did was I used... I didn't actually draw out the lines of the shadow, so I painted the shadows directly on onto the onto the angels. There's two of them in the in the sketch and I left the lit up side completely white. Use my foodie pen, brown ink again, really nice colour to um, to draw in a soft way. And somebody pointed out the other day, I love the she said, I love the vintage look that the brown ink gives. And yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it does. It gives a lovely vintage look. Oh, and of course, the ink I use, the Diatramentis document ink, I forgot to mention, it's completely waterproof. So once it's dry, you can paint away. Oh, sorry, just hitting the book there. When you can, once it's dry, you can paint away and uh, and you won't, the, the ink won't run, which is great. So anyway, there I was and I was sitting behind an electricity box. Now, when I was sketching in Dublin, it's not that it's a dodgy city in any way. I never had any trouble, not once. And I was sketching for for a full year um, north of Liffey, south of Liffey lots of different places and I met lots and lots of homeless people and I met lots and lots of beggars I met lots and lots of people who'd been inside these, these look, it's not that they're everywhere well they are, but it's just that these people are the ones who are going to talk to you so, um, and I really enjoyed talking to them it was great, I've spoken about that before in the podcast I love talking to people when I'm sketching I love that fellas yep, fellas tell you their life story and I love it, I don't respond and tell them mine because they're not interested they just want to tell me theirs and that's absolutely fine because I always write it down the very day that I meet them so I get them verbatim and I never adjust the stories in any way I always record them and write them down verbatim so what you read is what they said anyway I would add that I will choose some kind of an obstacle to sit behind. It's not really to hide. It's not just hide from weirdos or anything like that. It's more because it means that there's you're safe from the traffic. So if I'm sitting right next to a planter um, with a big palm tree in it or something like that, um, or if I'm sitting right next to an electricity box, which I was when I was drawing the O'Connell Street statues, then a car isn't going to clip me, you know, it, because they'd have to clip the whatever yoke I'm sitting next to. So I feel safe that way. And I was sitting next to an electricity box right that day. And I was kind of off the street. I was at the either at the very, very edge of the curb or I was actually on the street. I, I, I can't remember. But anyway, I was not in the thoroughfare of pedestrian traffic. And a very frail old lady shuffled towards me and she had she had very stringy white hair cut in a kind of a bob. She's very frail. She was very slow, very shuffly. She's very thin. She's quite tall. And the first thing I noticed was her poor feet. She had a pair of cracked blue Crocs on and she just had this teeny little pair of socks on her feet and they'd kind of slipped down her, her feet inside the Crocs and you could see her heels and they were really sore and dry and red and cracked. 
and she was very thin and she was stooped. But she saw me and she, she, she had the air of a lady who life had, you know, taken a bit of a turn for the worse. She was probably in her 70s, I think. And she lifted her head. She lifted her, she lifted her head as she saw me. And she had a long, wispy white fringe and she spoke to me and she said, I'd like to take up painting, but I have more important things to do. <laughs> so I thought, OK, that's me told. OK, OK. Um, and I felt a bit annoyed at first, you know, that film. I was like, how dare you, madam? But then I suddenly realised that, you know, most people do have more important things to do. Um, I thought of how strange it was that my important thing to do at that particular moment was to sketch because it's my job. So she said, do you teach? And I told her I do teach. And she said, I suppose I would have to buy a paint set like that. <laughs> and she sounded very, very disappointed. And um, I said, well, unfortunately, I, I teach in Galway. But the good news is that all you really need is a pencil to get started. And she said, a pencil. And you sort of got the feeling from her toe that she was thinking, don't be ridiculous. Anyway, that was all she had to say to me. And she shuffled away. And I liked the fact that despite the appearances of this lady, she was clearly in straitened circumstances. But she was still she was still curious and she still had a creative ambition about her. And uh, she was still <laughs> feeling annoyed that she would have to buy a set of paints. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool. But in these in this for the sketches themselves, I wanted to convey that kind of gunmetal colour. So I mixed that little bit of um green appetite genuine with the paints grey and I sort of let it slooch around, I don't know if that's a word, but sort of slosh around the paint, the two colours together without mixing them too thoroughly, so that you get these two lovely, lovely colours. Um, um and then I let them be darker where there was more shadow and lighter where there was more light. And that was that. OK, so a little bit further. That's the end of the O'Connell Street monument uh, story, except that I would say definitely go and have a look at them because they're really lovely. They're beautiful, really lovely. So not very far away from there, down Westmoreland Street and into College Green, um, you come to Trinity College. And into the grounds, you will find the statue of George Salmon. And he was called the Provost George Salmon. And now we are on page 100 of my book, Dublin and Sketches and Stories. And I really enjoyed drawing the statue. Again, exact same deal. Brown diatramentous ink. Uh, sunny day, because again, nice strong statues. This was drawn in September and it tends to be quite sunny in September in Dublin. And I left, again, all the lit up areas completely white. And the Provost George Salmon is also made of marble in this particular statue. And he has a very, I don't know, bit of a stern expression, a little bit of a furrowed brow. And as I was drawing this statue, lots of groups of um, Trinity College students who are sort of um, double jobbing as tour guides, they would take people around um, and talk about bits and pieces of Trinity. And of course, George Salmon was a big attraction because he famously said that women would only enter Trinity College over his dead body. And one guide, one male guide said this behind me as I was drawing. And he said, 
And while they didn't exactly step over his body because he died in 1904, that was the year women were admitted to Trinity College. And I couldn't help but notice that the males, the male guides told the story with great enthusiasm and the female ones said it quietly. And it's it's just something that strikes me. Um, we really don't need to hear over and over again the absolutely very poor um, and unfair and unjust treatment that men have shown towards women over the years. Just, I don't want to know about it. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of George Salmon and I'm sick of his, you know, antics being anti-women, being having fun in Trinity College and all that stuff. So um, I wondered what he would think of me sitting there drawing him um, a woman with, well, I don't have a PhD, sadly, because my PhD didn't go well and had to be dropped after a few wasted, never mind that, years um, because, well, I suppose I was being a woman about it, wasn't I? I had two young babies at the time, but it wasn't just that. It was also the fact that um, that I had chosen the wrong subject for the wrong reasons. I was extremely hungover the day I went to choose my topic. Why am I saying this? Anyway, I'm going to tell you that I had a terrible headache. I was feeling terrible and I had you know, the kind of horrorsy kind of thing that sometimes you get if you overdo it in the drink. Um, that was around the time, I think I was 26 at the time, that was around the time that I stopped drinking to excess, which was wise. And I also chose the topic because it was given by the one supervisor in the geology department who had a reputation for getting people out within three years and I didn't want to hang around. Um, I was already, did I say 26? Yeah, I, I, I was either 25 or 26 and I didn't want to hang around forever getting my academic um, education. And what was the other reason I chose? Uh, well, it was mineralogy. So I loved mineralogy. Um, I loved anything to do with geochemistry. Um, and those were the reasons I chose. Um, can't remember what I thought there was another stupid reason that I chose that subject. I wish I'd done the history of geology, but I didn't. There you go. History of geology in Ireland. That would have suited me down to the ground. But there you go. Maybe in another life somewhere. Now, the history of geology. Now, that's a fascinating subject. Not geology. Well, that's nice too. But the history of geology, the history of the discovery of geology. Now, that is a story worth hearing. I can promise you that. It's fascinating. But back to the statue of George Salmon. He's drawn in the exact same way as the the, the, the angels um, on Grafton Street. The only difference is that I just used Payne's Grey for this statue and I didn't use any blue in it. This is the Payne's Grey that I use now by Roman Schmal. It's a lovely Payne's Grey. It's a really lovely, beautiful, bluey grey tone. So um, you can see that on page 101. A very, very... Um, very, very good example of how to convey light in a statue. And I'll tell you what else I did to even convey it further. So you've got white and Payne's grey on the statue and on the building of, there's a bit of the one of the buildings of Trinity as a backdrop um, to this particular sketch. And the backdrop is, the stone is very creamy yellow and I went very dark just around the statue in the background and it really gave a 3D effect to the statue. So that's another way to sort of increase the feeling of light is to darken up your colour a lot right next to the um, foreground, whatever it is you're drawing. OK, so that is the story of the provost, George Salmon, the lovely angels um, on O'Connell Street. And I hope I've helped you with a little bit of an idea 
on how to capture light in a statue. And I'll tell you something, it's much easier than you might think. Sorry, there's the my Dublin book making noises again. Um, it's much, much easier than you might think. And uh, really give it a lash. I would definitely recommend it. Give it a try um, because it leads you on to understanding light for all kinds of other applications. So let's see what else I can say about light. Don't go away. So the last little bit I'm going to tell you about is sketching the Molly Malone statue, which is kind of, uh, you think I'd know the street it's on. But anyway, it's kind of like behind Grafton Street on the way to uh, Dame Street. Um, And when I went to sketch it there for my book about Dublin, I was a bit annoyed at first because my view was continually blocked by tourists. Um, And I decided to come back when there was nobody around. But Little by little, I realised that wasn't going to happen. And anyway, it was better to uh, to sketch it when there were people there because I could incorporate them into the scene. And adding people, oh, it's always worth it. It's always worth it. it there's something about adding people. It doesn't just bring a sense of scale, but it brings life. I mean, literally, it brings life. But when I when I went to, to draw the Molly Malone statue... I realised that everybody, well, not everybody, but all the groups of young men would pull the boobs, the the chest area of the statue. And the statue is made of bronze and it's most of the statue is um, and it's a little bit larger than life size. And most of the statue is um, a dark brown, dull kind of colour. But the area on the décolletage of the statue is is completely pale gold and shiny from all the all the rubbing of the hands over the years. Um and and as I say, groups of men, old, young, you name it, they just have to pull the boobs, and they would do it in big groups in a kind of a a really kind of a really pathetic show of dominance. Yeah, I can dominate the the actual statue made of bronze who can't can't slap my hand away. Woohoo! <laughs> but uh, luckily to say that the children didn't didn't uh, do it, which is nice. And a lot of the groups of people who um, visited the statue were young students from basically southern southern Europe. There was Italians, there was French, there was a Spanish. And I would always, um, you know, say, excuse me, could you move, please? If, if they really blocked the bit I was trying to draw. And they were, you know, they do what they're told, really, you know, especially when there's a slightly intimidating middle aged, you know, woman telling them to stop doing something or to move. Anyway, so a group of Spanish kids came along and they're very raucous, they're very jolly and they're taking in turns to pour the boob and ah, ha, 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 and they completely block my view. So then I think, well, do you know what? I might as well put them to use. And I say to them in Spanish, um, uh, listen, guys, I'm sketching a book about Dublin. Would one of you lads mind posing with your hand on the boob? Well, an absolutely stunned silence because, you know, they, they think that they're just like... <laughs> marauding their way through Dublin, you know, loud as you like. And they've got this cloak of invisibility because they speak Spanish and nobody speaks Spanish and they can say and do what they like. And here is this woman telling them in Spanish to stop doing what they're doing. But the nice thing was that they realised that, you know, there was absolutely no point arguing. Um, And they're a little bit awkward and they're a bit conflicted because they were having a great time with... um feeling very dominant of, you know, with their non-consensual boob point. Um, and then they were being counter-dominated by this middle-aged woman. So 
but they didn't realize that uh, I have a I have an unfair advantage because I have teenage kids and being bossy it just comes very naturally to me anyway so I, I remember saying this at, at home and my youngest Liv who was about 16 at the time she said did you really do that did you tell him to keep his hand there until you were finished sketching that is a queen move <laughs> anyway I got my I got my pose and uh and, and, and I, I, I said thank you very much to the young fellows and I was drawing away um and then I hear a voice behind me and a guy goes that's great uh, you, did you go to art college? And I told him I spent a year in um, NCAD, which is the National College of Art and Design. And he says, oh, I've gone back to college myself. And I can hear from his uh, speech that he's got a few teeth missing. But on the whole, he looks harmless, if maybe a little bit rough. And I said, oh, uh, what did you do? Use too much drink and heroin all my life. He said, I said, no, 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 I, I meant what, what did you do in college? And he says, uh, oh, you knew well you meant that. And he thought he was hilarious. Oh, I'm studying social studies. He says, I feel very grateful. There's a lad I live with from Kenya and he pays 24,000 euros a year and I don't pay a thing. I told him he was very lucky. OK, so what about the sketch itself? Right, so we've got a dull, dark brown for the most of the statue. And then we've got the shiny gold for the, you know, breast area, the sternum and the, the boobies and the decolletage and all that kind of thing. So again, I what I did was for parts of it, I didn't really need to exaggerate the light. There are parts of it were very, very shiny. But if I wanted it to look like metal at all, I was going to have to leave um, quite a few areas completely unpainted. So I did that. Now, she's she's Molly Malone. She's um, wheeling her wheelbarrow through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and muscles alive, alive oh. And she has on her, she has a cart. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a wheelbarrow. Maybe that's what wheelbarrows looked like in the old days. Or maybe it's a cart and it just doesn't, wheelbarrow doesn't, uh, cart doesn't rhyme with streets broad and narrow. I don't know. Anyway, she's got this cart and she's got, it's got these huge big wheels and I hate drawing huge wheels because you have to get the ellipse exactly right and you have to get the spokes kind of evenly spaced and whatever it is about wheels, I'm not, I'm just not very good at drawing them. And so you can see in the drawing that, you know, it's a pretty bad drawing of wheels, but at least the light isn't too bad. So what I did was I, anywhere that there's, um, in shadow, I really darkened up. So between the spokes, to make the spokes stand out a bit, I really deepened up the um, the burnt umber in in underneath the underneath the platform bit of the wheelbarrow of the cart. And on the far side, on the far side of the cart, um, you can see the 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 opposite wheel as well. And I went really really dark with that. And then there's some like I don't know metal baskets. Well, obviously they're metal because the statue's metal. Bronze baskets, and they are full of um, I presume cockles and mussels. Um, now the overall so basically just to reiterate a gloomy day not a very strongly sunny day and it means that there's a lot more tones and variations visible between the dark areas and the high lit areas so um, you for the most part you have a slightly softer transition between the dark areas and the light areas um, and as I say you still have those shiny unpainted areas otherwise you won't get the feel of metal or um, even if it's stone you won't get that feel of of light hitting stone but one thing I will point out about the sketch in general is that um, I used uh, a very limited palette and I've mentioned this before many times that I like to use a very limited palette um, I stuck to really I suppose my favorite palette which is dark dark bluey gray the paints gray and dark dark brown the burnt umber um, and then I had a little bit of yellow ochre. There's a little group of buskers right next to the uh, 
to the Molly Malone statue. So I brought in, oh yeah, and there's the skin tones as well of the two young students doing the poem. <laughs> Poor guys. And uh, the buskers, I've managed to squeeze a little bit of their skin in as well. So, and then I mixed the Payne's grey with the burnt umber to make a very soft grey for the stone colour of the church that's um, that the statue is right next to. So, and again, I used the brown ink that I absolutely love. Um, and you can see it's on page 158 in my book, Dublin and Sketches and Stories. And there's a little dog there as well. You'll see that there on the page. And she was a sweet little, what was she, a Bichon Frise or something, I think. And her name was Mia and she belonged to a lady who was, who'd come up for the day with her little dog on the train just to have a little day out in Dublin. It was very sweet. She was a lovely lady. And uh, she got the little dog to pose in one of the baskets of mussels for a picture, which I just, don't know, I just find the whole thing very, very touching. Um, you guys who know me know that my dog, Reuben, is... Um, He's one of my best friends. <laughs> he really is. Um, and I can just imagine going to Dublin with Reuben. He'd actually hate it. Um, he doesn't even like Galway City. It's too busy for him. But, uh, you know, I can imagine going for a day out with my dog. I say, yeah, come on, let's go do whatever. But there you go. There is the um, the light and the shadow on statues. Um, definitely something I recommend in terms of sketching for the getting used to your watercolour and what it does. And the more I look at my wheel in the picture of the cart and that Molly Malone is pushing, the more I'm uh, a bit annoyed at myself for not doing such a good job. But there you go. There you go. Um, We don't always get everything right all the time. Um, And you know what? It doesn't matter. That's the whole thing about sketching. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that number one, that you do it. Number two, that you do it as much as you can if it's something that you enjoy and that you'd like to get better at and you'd like you'd like to see results. Um, and number three, I just suppose to get out there into the actual real life, the wild and capture what's going on around you. It's such a lovely thing to do. I mean, I love meeting the buskers right next to the Molly Malone statue. I love listening to their lovely music. They were great. They were they were a covers band and they made fabulous music. And I don't know, just can't beat getting out there. So Maybe make it your mission one of this one of these nice summery days to get out there and find a statue um to sketch and see how you get on with the light and the dark and how the light hits the shapes and I hope it goes well for you. that wraps it up for this week's episode of Sketch Therapist. I hope that you found something useful or actionable, something that you can practice yourself when it comes to depicting light in watercolour as it appears on a statue. Um, So good luck with making your own efforts um, in sketching some maybe statues in your own city or your own town or maybe somewhere you're visiting on your holidays this summer. So um, yeah, that's something that you'll really enjoy, I think. So yeah, have a, have, have a, have a really nice time with that. Um, I want to say a really big thank you as well to all you fabulous people who sent me such lovely messages about my podcast. I really appreciate it so much. I don't know if the numbers are big, small or indifferent, but they certainly seem to be growing. And it's, um, it's a huge honour that people will take time out of their day or even not take time out of their day. I know I don't take any time out of my day when I'm listening to a podcast. I just get on with whatever I'm doing, which is why I love podcasts. So I, I, I'm really honoured that you are listening to me sharing all the good stuff about sketching, all the positivity, because 
there is nothing but positivity when it comes to sketching but that makes me very happy so thank you for all the kind words that you've that you've sent my way really really appreciate it um i've wrapped up my live classes for uh for the month of june anyway but i am going to be doing um two more new watercolor sketching for beginners classes in July and the reason it's going to be two is because and they'll be a little bit different from each other so you can certainly take both if you want um, but I want to do them at different times of the day because um, the good folk in the Far East on the other side of the world from me in Australia and Singapore in China um, they would prefer to have a time that suits them a little bit better so I'm going to do that. I'm going to accommodate uh, people for whom the regular time of seven o'clock in the evening, Irish stroke British time, just doesn't suit because they're asleep in their beds. So I will do that. And um, other than that, I want to say um, if you feel like doing a bit of practice, you want a bit of guidance, um, please head to my website, roisincure.com or O-I-S-I-N-C-U-R-E, where you will find, I think it's under the download recordings section, you'll find loads of classes from throughout the year with lots of different topics um, for your own interest and study. We've just come to the end of the people sketching block on a Saturday, which people seem to really enjoy as well. So, you know, people drawing in the wild, hard to beat. But there's tons of different classes there, tons of different topics. There must be at least 50 there at this stage um, and they all cost five euros each, which is very good value. Um, and like that, by the way, I just want to add the uh, watercolour sketching for beginners classes. Um, the reason I keep them so accessible and so affordable is because they are um, very popular and, um, and very well subscribed. Um, the one I'm doing at the moment was sold out the day it launched, the day it started, which was very, very nice. And I really appreciate that. But do spread the word if you know other people who'd like to take up this fantastic hobby. And I will leave it at that. And I will say thank you so much for listening. And I wish you happy sketching. <laughs>